Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrity CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Welcome to Money Making Conversation. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. Let's get real here. It's time you, it's time for you to stop reading other people's success stories and really start writing your own. Now, you can be motivated by their success because their stories can offer direction and help you reach your goals through your planning and your committed effort. But it is their story. My interviews on Money Making Conversation provide the consumer and business owner access to celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and what I like to call industry decision makers. My next guest is truly an industry decision maker. His name is Harvey Mason Jr. He proudly serves as the chairman of the board of the Recording Academy, also known as the Grammys. <laughs> and he has also stepped in the role of interim president and CEO for the Recording Academy. Let's give a little background on Mr. Harvey here. He has not only penned and produced songs for industry legends like Aretha Franklin, Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, but he's all in Elton John, but also for today's superstars, including Justin Bieber, Beyonce, John Legend, Ariana Grande, Justin Timberlake, and Chris Brown. In addition, he's compiled an impressive list of film and TV credits, including writing and producing the music for Jesus Christ Superstar Live. This is just a few of them. I'm not going to name it all. Jingle Jangle, Christmas Story, Christmas Journey, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, Shrek, Straight Outta Compton, all three Pitch Perfect movies. The Grammy Awards are music's biggest night. And the 63rd Grammy Awards are airing on Sunday, March 14th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on CBS. What can we expect? That's why I have him on the show, talk a little bit about his life, how an extraordinary guy like him can be sitting in the background looking so good. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, my man, Harvey Mason Jr. How you doing, sir? Doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. This is great. Chairman of the board. Chairman of the board of the Recording Academy. What does that, what does that mean? Well, it means that some people that were the trustees of the academy thought that I would be good to push the, the academy forward into the next generation of, of what this academy looks like, and they voted for me. So we have 44 trustees. Uh, I ran as chair on a platform of change and improvement to the academy, which I felt we needed a lot of. Uh, you know, I'd been a member of the Recording Academy for probably I don't know, 15, 16 years. So I'd seen a lot of the great things that it does, all the mm -hmm. amazing programs and work that it does around philanthropy and giving back to the music community, but also advocacy and fighting for the rights of creators and music people. And then education, making sure that we're, we're getting the instruments in the hands of the kids and the next generation of music makers and continuing to expose people to music. So those are the things I loved about the Academy. There are a few things that I thought we could do better. And so I ran for chair and they voted for me. Congratulations. Uh, you know, my, I have a little music background in middle school. I was a first chair clarinet, you know, All right. second chair uh, tenor saxophone. And I and got to high school, you know, you know, I got too cool for music, got too cool for the band, and I left the band. <laughs> You're and never but, too cool for the I, band. I, 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 th I thought I was, Harvey. I'll tell you, I, I thought, but you know, the thing about it is that I would tell everybody music really focused me and really helped with my memorization. And so when you start talking about going into the community and, and, and having children understand the value of music, playing music, singing, and understand it, really, I always tell it's a big asset. Can you tell everybody the, the contributions that not only just from being able to play the music, but from a life and from an educational standpoint, how music can really evolve a child's life? 
Well, I guess that's a, uh, I mean, it's a good question. It's probably one that a scientist or, or, or psychiatrist could probably answer even better than I can. But I know personally what music does for me is similar to, as you said, it, it helps you uh, find balance, find mm-hmm. a center, absolutely uh, creates a sense of emotional uh, connection or relatability to people. Like if you're writing a song or you're listening to a song that's been composed, you see that other people have felt what you felt. You you see that other people have gone through things that you've gone through. So there's something there that's reassuring. It's something that's identifiable and relevant to a lot of different people's lives. So music can be served as uh, something that can, can heal and can help. Right. And that's a little bit of what I love about being involved in the Academy is I try and use music in our platform at the Grammys to make sure we're, we're doing good and we're doing good work. We're bringing people together, especially with our show this March. You know, this is going to be the first time in a long time that maybe a lot of people have come together around music. So mm-hmm. my hope is this: it can be some medicine. It can be something that uh, starts to heal. The last year has been a tough year for everyone, as right. you know, especially yeah. people in the music industry. So my hope is that music, as you said earlier, can be something of a positive and be something that's not just entertaining, but also healing and, and improves the lives of people who who are fans of it and who love it. I, I, I have nothing but positive things about what happened in my life. I was a drag a, a tennis saxophone a mile to my uh, junior high school, middle school, and uh, drag it back. Now, I, I, I would tell everybody I, that anybody who plays a trumpet is amazing to me, and anybody who plays the flute is amazing to me because it's all, it's all about the lip. It's all about the curvature. And I, I put that reed on that clarinet, put that reed on it. I was good. I was good. Squeeze real hard. Knew, they had the fingers working. I was, I was your man. But I respected the <laughs> flutist and the, and, and, and the trumpet player. That was, that's a skill level. What's, what's your skill level from a, from a technical standpoint, instrument standpoint? Well, I play piano and mm-hmm. I play drums and percussion, and a little little bit of bass and a few other things. But my main instrument that I write and, and produce on is piano. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, here's the interesting thing about it, because I, I rattle off a lot of talent. You know, when we do pop, or, you know, Justin Bieber got him in my car. You know, Justin Timberlake got him in my car. I got, you know, Beyonce. I'm from Houston. I My, my background with Beyonce, uh, 1992, I introduced her in my comedy club. I was one of the first people to recognize Destiny Tile as a group. So we go way back personally. Wow. And all those different talent levels that you, how do you walk in a room and how do you create that relationship? You know, not to mention the legends of Michael Jackson and Aretha Franklin and Elton John, but all these people are on my playlist. So that means that you have a sense from the type of music ear that I have. So, but each one of these people have a certain style that they want to bring to the table. They don't want to be a copycat song. Right. How do you, how do you introduce yourself to that, to their talents? Each person's slightly different, but in general, I try and enter with a sense of humility, but also confidence because number one, I'm, I'm highly respectful of people who create art. I think people who I've gotten a chance to work with are absolutely amazing and incredible talents and are very special for their talents. Um, but I also know that uh, they need collaboration right. and they, they look for people that can bring the best out of them. And as a producer and a songwriter, that's really been my goal throughout my career is to try and, regardless of who I'm working with, Mm -hmm. to try and elevate or to try and make their performance be the best performance they've ever given. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whether that's, you know, Aretha Franklin or a new artist like Chris Brown that we started with when he was 14 years old, 15 years old. So my goal is always to 
be humble, be respectful, uh, appreciative of the opportunity to work with, with new artists as well as legacy artists, but then also come with the confidence and a spirit of collaboration so that we can work together. Because what I do, I feel is also special and what I can bring to the table, hopefully uh, can be helpful to them and their performance. So that's generally how I do it. Sometimes it's easier than others. You know, you're dealing with artists that uh, are the legacy or the legend artists. They, they've been doing it for a long time, sometimes 30, 40, 50 mm -hmm. years. And uh, they look at you as the new young kid who thinks he's hot stuff. And uh, sometimes those are challenging, but it's really about breaking down uh, those types of barriers and preconceptions and letting the people know that my interest is only uh, having them shine. My interest is not about me shining. And that's the job of a producer. You've got to make sure that they trust you and feel that your interests are aligned. And, and I guess that's why I've had a, a fairly long career. I've been right. able to uh, gain the trust of artists and make sure artists feel like there's no agenda. It's not about Harvey trying to look good. It's about Michael or about Whitney or whoever I'm working with, making sure they give their best performance and their fans are saying, oh my gosh, where did this song come from, this artist <laughs> that I love so much? Really, it's really interesting because you, you mentioned earlier your talents, piano. So was it is it easy to work with a talent like an Elton John or a John Legend whose strength is at the piano or it doesn't matter? Working with any really talented person is pretty easy because it flows and they're contributing so much. I try and contribute what I can. And whether it's piano that's their main talent or it's just a vocalist or a guitar player, it's, as I said, it's collaboration and, and great talent is generally in favor of, of strong collaboration. And I've found in my experience that the legends are all uh, very open. If you come with good ideas and again, you don't come with a, a personal agenda. Right. And if your goal is to make them shine, whether that's John Legend, Elton John, whoever it is, they're going to be excited about the collaboration. I really want to, if I can, get in your head because I'm a visual person, Harvey. And so when I, when I, see, when I see a Michael Jackson, I just see movement. I see a Justin Timberlake, I see a movement. I see Aretha Franklin, I just see us right there commanding the stage. Same thing with Whitney Houston, right there commanding the stage. From a, do you look at music from a visual standpoint or is it all audio? It's a unique question. Uh, I don't really tend to study. I'm not as cerebral as maybe you're thinking about it. I, mm -hmm. I try and go off of emotion and feeling. Right. And I also try and pay attention and really close attention to the person I'm working with or working for. Right. Uh, as you said, a couple of names, if I'm doing a, uh, you know, a Beyonce song, it's going to be very different from a song that I might do for Aretha. So you have to be cognizant of who their audience is and what that artist has done in the past. So for me, it's not visual. It's not thinking about concerts um, and it's not just oral, you're not just hearing it. It's really mm -hmm. a combination of everything put together. And, and I'm thinking of it more from the standpoint of who is the artist? Who is their audience? What is their history? Mm -hmm. What have they talked about in the past? What are they going through in their life now? And trying to weave all of that into a song. And that's a lot. And, and when, I, when I look at the Grammys, which has always been like, because I mentioned earlier the Recording Academy, and then you have the Grammys. How did the two names become associated with each other? Well, they are one and the same. The Recording Academy uh, is sometimes referred to as the Grammys. Uh, the Recording Academy is the overall not-for-profit organization, 501c3 uh, corporation that is built to host the Grammys. Right. And in hosting the Grammys, that is a television show on CBS, 
we receive income from the television show and that money goes directly back into the music community. And that's why we're a not-for-profit. So uh, our objective and our mission is to serve our members. We have over 20,000 members who are professional music creators from you know everything, producers, engineers, songwriters, managers, some lawyers. So those are our members. We put on the Grammy show through the Academy we receive income and then that goes back out. I talked a little bit about music cares, you know, during COVID this year, we had so many music people lose their income, lose their ability to even make an income. So music cares because of some of the money that we brought in over the years from our TV show, along with fundraising efforts, we've been able to give out over $22 million to people who needed help during COVID and that effort continues. And that's just one of the things we do through the Academy and through our not-for-profit organization. The other we talked about was advocacy. So having the ability and the resources to be in Washington, D.C., actually on the ground there, talking to lawmakers, making sure that music people are taken into consideration for legislation is something that we do and we're very, very passionate about. And we spend a lot of time and energy making sure that we're doing that. So this year, the, the CARES Act, the HITS Act, these are all acts that give some relief to our country. But now, thanks to the Recording Academy and other people, uh, musicians and people who make and create music are included in these relief packages. So something that we do during during these times and all fall under the the recording academy umbrella that's that's really amazing that's really a blessing as well because during the COVID 19 live events basically shut down it was shut down they oh. still haven't recovered yet and then maybe this summer or maybe in the fall we can start getting back there but you're a writer you're a producer you're so it's, there's a term out there called mailbox money which means that you're making money while you sleep that had to be a blessing concerning the the, the, the catastrophe that was going on in the in the live event side to be a writer, still receiving some form of income. Am I correct in saying that? You're partially correct, actually. We love mailbox money, but the thing is, and what's happened as of the last few years is mailbox money has continued to decrease and it's mm. almost deteriorating because of the way legislation plays out and allowing streaming companies to continue to use our intellectual property and our art at such a low pay rate. So we right. are barely monetizing songs at this point, as far as the songwriter is concerned. Now, if you're an artist or you're a record company, there's some good royalties that can still be generated and you're still getting that mailbox money you're talking about. But mm. as a producer and a songwriter, those numbers are, you know, they're a little bit in flux. And that's one of the things the Academy has been doing is making sure that we're advocating in DC, making sure we're jumping up and down talking about, creators and the creators rights and what should they be paid and how can they monetize what they you know sweat and bleed for which is our music and our craft we make these songs they don't just come out of thin air right actually they do come out of thin air but <laughs> they don't just magically appear right. We work and we mm -hmm. we study we practice we perfect our craft sometimes for 20 30 years in order to make music and make songs and then sometimes it goes onto different platforms and there's not a compensation for that. So the mailbox money is getting scary. It's getting more and more scarce. Um, and it's not the fault of the streaming companies. We believe the streaming companies are great partners. They're exposing so much amazing music to the general population and to consumers. And it's giving the consumers a chance to choose and be exposed right. to so many different types of music they might never heard, might not have ever heard before. Uh, but we have to figure out some equitable way to make sure that people who create this art and spend the time making the music that we all love and enjoy continue to be able to make the mailbox money. Otherwise, people are going to have to get other jobs and other sources of income, and, and it will decrease the number of people that are really making the great art that we all appreciate. Wow. Uh, the Grammy Awards is the moneymaker. 
is music's biggest night. It's the 63rd Grammy Awards. It's airing on Sunday, March 14, 8 p.m. on CBS. What can we expect? You can expect an amazing show. You can expect great performances. Nothing like you've seen during COVID. You know, we're mm-hmm. doing things very differently. This is not a virtual show. Okay. This is not people sending in videos of them performing either at their house or at some different location. These are people that are performing on the Grammy stage in Los Angeles. Uh, you'll see live awards. Uh, you won't see a large audience, unfortunately, mm-hmm. but I'm really excited. You're going to see uh, a beautiful set, beautiful staging and set decoration. Uh, and I think it's going to be, as I said earlier, a bit of a opportunity to come together and celebrate music as much as celebrating feels maybe slightly awkward right now because there is so much hardship and so many things happening uh, that put us at, at unrest and, and in, a, in a state of uncertainty. But I think this will be a time for some rebirth and that's a little bit of the theme of some of our, our elements of the show and coming together and, and uh, feeling good around music. Well, you know, the thing about it, I want to say celebration. I want to stick with that, Harvey, because, you know, we've been locked down. Uh, you know, my wife, she's still not comfortable going out to a restaurant. She, we have not been out of a restaurant since COVID lockdown. And, yep. and, 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 and so, you know, we, she goes out to the store, we're wearing masks. There's a, there's a, there's a life of not being comfortable, life of not being normal to see mm-hmm an amazing show like the Grammys somewhat returning to its live performance format? Because all we've seen is these Zoom-type setups, uh, you know, virtual, somewhere the train stations, but knowing it's not nowhere in the facility as a unified show. I think right. it's really important. How did you guys get to that point of production to say this is the type of show we're going to do? We're not going to do the traditional remote performances and then just package it together. Well, it's something we always hoped for. You know, originally when this started, we said, well, we'll just keep our fingers crossed and hopefully we can have our show as normal. But as we got closer and closer to January, we knew we weren't going to be able to do uh, the big Staples Center with 17,000 people. Mm -hmm. So we changed and and pivoted and made an adjustment to what we thought was the next best thing, which was bringing the artists together and having a show that they actually came to L.A. and performed. Uh, And we've got a great new director this year, executive producer of the show. Uh, Ben Winston's the executive producer, and he's had an incredible vision for this show. Uh, You know, we had our our last uh, executive director, or rather um, executive producer, Ken Ehrlich, for the last, I think, 40 shows. And he's done, did amazing work for us over the years. But having a different um, producer has really brought a different look to the show and a different kind of energy and a different approach to it. So I have to say that a lot of what's happening on March 14th is because of Ben Winston and his vision and his plan for doing something original and different. Well, you know, the, the, the Grammy serves several purposes for me. One, I get to see live entertainment, but also artists who win. You can see their record sales or digit sale or digital sales or whatever term they're using nowadays. You know, you still use the word album. They don't make albums technically anymore. Yeah, they're <laughs> streaming numbers. <laughs> the streaming numbers can go off. So being a nominee and being a winner and being a live performer are really and also a presenter. Can, are the major blessings as far as being a part of the Grammy Awards, correct? Yes, it's a great platform for, for creators and for artists, songwriters, 
And as you said, being exposed on the show can have huge benefits for record labels or for the companies that put out this music and for the artists themselves. But for us, it's an opportunity to showcase a lot of different great music. It's an opportunity to celebrate excellence and shine a light on the people that our voters felt had outstanding projects this year. And it's also a chance for us, and I hate to be crass about it, but it's a chance for the Academy to generate some income so that we can do Mm -hmm. the programs that we're so passionate about and we can give back to the music community. The infrastructure set up at the Academy, and it's one thing that happens, you know, a lot of people are critical about the awards. Well, who gets nominations? Who gets a win? Why didn't this person get nominated? And I respect and totally understand that. I've been snubbing myself in the time when I thought I should have gotten (laughs) nominated and didn't. But at the end of the day, I tend to look at it from a perspective of this show is incredible. It's amazing. It's so important. But it's also a vehicle that allows us as an academy to generate income so that we can do the really, really important work that we do in the industry to be helpful and to to stand up programs that change and affect the future of our business and hopefully the future generation of of music makers that are coming into into this uh, community. Okay. It's, it's amazing my conversation I'm having with you because I'm exposing you. I'm talking to Harvey Mason Jr. He's the chairman of the board of the Recording of the Academy and the interim president and CEO, also known as the Grammys, which will be airing on March 14th on CBS at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But I want to get back to you because you're a special cat, man. I mentioned the songs that you penned, but the television and film side, I, 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 I got to let people know who you are, man. I, I'm saying I want them to Google you and realize that you are truly a gifted guy because a lot of people can be good at one thing. Because to me, what you're doing is like watching the LeBron James play football and basketball. It's, you know, because, you know what I'm saying? Nice you're, comparison. I'll take it. Thank oh, you. you. You got to. And please do. You're the chairman of the board. Come on now. You're the big, you're big <laughs> boss. And so... And I, I see that because, you know, when I see straight out of Compton, all three pitch perfect moves, which I loved, you know, Jingle Jangle, one of my favorite, uh, probably the, the the first film since The Wiz from a, a black Christmas uh, 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 musical, which was mm-hmm. amazing. A good friend of mine, David Talbot and his wife, I interviewed him on the show and I and it, and it, and it trended a lot on Netflix. When you start looking at it, looking at these type of productions, because, you know, straight out of Compton was rap. Jingle Jangle was a was a Christmas. Yeah, Zoe's extraordinary. That's a that's a dramatic where they just sing on television. How do you? That's that's what I'm saying. How did you start balancing all that? Those are different genres, just like it is with the artists. But this is even more because it's different songs that play off on different moments. The in and out cues. Talk to us about first television, then film. Well, on the television side, you know, your timelines are very tight. Things are done quickly. It's week to week. And so every day you're doing something different. It's by the end of the week, it's approved and into the show. So it's being nimble. It's being creative. It's problem solving really quickly. Uh, And I think it's a lot of different genres of music. As you mentioned, you know, we've done Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist for two years. I think last season we did. 70 or 80 songs for that and we're doing another show for apple tv where we're doing 20 or 30 songs uh and doing those series it's a lot of work and it's quick paced Uh, as far as the film side you know we're doing a a movie right now called respect it's the biopic about aretha franklin starring jennifer hudson i'm very excited about and the difference with film to tv is you have more time you're you know i've been working on that film for two years so it's really about fine-tuning, perfecting everything that you're doing, every piece of music, every note is looked at and re-looked at by the producer, the director, the studio, uh, the music team. So it's a, a lot of inspection of almost everything that you're doing. That is a major difference. But the similarities are 
you're trying to use music to tell a story. You're trying to use music as a character in the show or the film, and you're trying to evolve the story plot generally with a song or with lyrics. So I've been very fortunate to be able to work across different genres and with different types of artists throughout my career in record making, but as well in film and TV, because it's all music. You know, it's stuff that I love. I love classic. I love rock. I love rap, R&B, pop, country. We do it all because to me, it's all just different expressions of different emotions through different genres. So I've been very fortunate to get a chance to work with a really wide variety of people in genres. Cool. Now, uh, before we go, I want to ask you about this. Always with the Grammys. I know how powerful the Grammys is because people use nominations as part of their credits. So they've been nominated by a Grammy for a Grammy. They're going to mention that as part of their credits. How does yeah. one get in that nomination process? Is it a is it a board somewhere? Is it, is it a, a a set of uh, music experts? How does one get nominated for a Grammy award? Sure. Uh, the good thing is our, our Grammy rules and voting is published online. Everything is very public and you can you can Google it and find these rules out much better than I'll, I'll describe it <laughs> to you. But again, we have a voting membership. We have membership at the Academy. There's 20,000 or so members. And then we have 12,000 of those members are what we call voting members. And the mm -hmm. voting members, in order to get that distinction, you have to be a creator. You have to be a songwriter, a producer, engineer, artist, somebody who's actually involved in the creation of the music. If you are deemed that by the Academy, you are called a voting member. Those 12,000 voting members take all the submissions. Anybody who makes music can submit uh, through the label or through a member or, or submit a song or a record or project. All those come in. This year we had 22,000 submissions. It's the most submissions we've ever had. The 12,000 voters look through all the submissions and vote on their favorites. The favorites are narrowed down. Then we have a group of nominations, a committee review that goes and they take they take every song and they listen to the top 20 or so songs. And generally, the nomination review committee is made up of experts in each genre. So each different genre has a specific committee that reviews the voters' choices. So if you're talking about folk music, you have... 15 or 20 folk music experts listening to the finalists voted on by the voting membership. At that point, the committee will establish who the five or eight nominations go to, because in some categories there's five, in the general field there's eight. Once those nominations are determined, then those names go back out to the voting body, and the voting body decides who the winner is. So uh, it's a combination, to answer your question even more simply, of the general voting body of 12,000 voters, the nomination review committee, and then finally, again, the voting body determines who the winners are. Awesome. Um, speaking to Harvey Mason Jr., I, I know I said the comparison with LeBron James, because he did not play football, I'm going to give you even better one, my good friend Deion Sanders, because he was talented and a Hall of Famer in football, and he played in the World Series in baseball. And that's what you're doing. You're not only uh, a talented writer, but a producer. You're doing television, you're doing film, you're doing individual orders, crossing all genres. You truly are a superstar behind the mic, and as well as sitting down at the piano. Harvey, thank you for uh, allowing me to ask my questions about the Grammys. Let my audience hear from a from a very strong success story, and hopefully they start Googling you and, uh, and start following you on social media, because you truly are a star. Thank you for coming on Monday making conversations. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Appreciate you having me. All right. Then. Don't forget, the Grammys is Sunday, March 14th on CBS 8 p.m. Again, I would like to thank everybody who listens to Money Making Conversation. If you want to hear any more interviews about Money Making Conversation, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I am your host.